Welcome to the Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Thank you for coming back to the Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO of the Molitor Group, Ed Molitor, and we are going to have a lot of fun today. My special guest, Aaron Deal, is just an incredibly charming, insightful, funny, witty, engaging, did I say that already? Human. I mean, she's just incredible in the amount of positive energy that's going to come through this podcast episode and the takeaways are absolutely phenomenal. And Aaron is a founder of Improve It, where they develop teams and leaders through play, improv, and experiential learning. I first met Aaron back in February of 2018 when I was looking to up my game, so to speak, in terms of presenting, being able to respond and pivot, whether it's in executive coaching, one-on-ones, whether it's in trainings or on the stage when I'm doing my keynote speaking, I was looking to develop the skill of improv. And I did a ton of research. I was looking at class at Second City and something really caught my eye about Improve It and the way they went about things. And they had a workshop. So I jumped into that workshop downtown Chicago and first met Aaron and an incredible team there and had an absolute blast. And I, I, I walked away realizing the significance. Like we think of improv sometimes as just laughter and just fun, but improv isn't stand-up. Stand-up's where you're going after that cheap laugh. And inside of this podcast, Aaron shares so much, but she's going to talk about this. Improv is truth. Our whole life, our whole world in the business world, whatever walk of life you're in, things just aren't scripted every single day. We think we'd like to operate with this process that's laid all out for us and everything's going to go to script. And that's not the way the world works. Improv is unscripted. One of the things it demands that you do and it teaches you to do, which is why I think it's so critical in being a great leader, it teaches you to listen and postpone judgment. And Erin's going to talk a lot about that. And she's going to talk about why her and her team have transitioned from calling them soft skills to power skills, which I absolutely love. You know, we talk about psychological safety all the time. And, and often I think people mistake in psychological safety for soft. And that's not what we're talking about at all. Why power skills? And Aaron will share with us that they are the skills that we need to do the work that we do. And some of the benefits that we, we jump into are your increased vulnerability and how critical it is. And she'll share some stories with us about that and the increased empathy. One of the things that is kind of lost in the conversation, not this conversation, but when people talk about improv, absolutely increases your decision-making skills in the real world, in your business settings with the team that you lead. So I don't want to sit here and give away the whole conversation, but I'll tell you this, make sure you have a pen and paper handy and do make sure that you're ready to laugh because we have a great time. Aaron, welcome and thank you for joining us today on the Athletics of Business podcast. It is so, it's so good to see you again. It's been a minute. I know, Ed. I am so happy to see you. I mean, literally, we've been chatting before we hit record and I feel like this was a, a nice catch-up. It was a needed and necessary catch-up. Yeah, and I think we came to the conclusion that the last time we saw each other was February of 2018. I know, which a lot has happened. A, a few lot. things. A few things. I mean, no, actually, I've been bored. Just yeah. been sitting around twiddling yeah. my thumbs. Like, yeah. oh, nothing Nothing needs to completely pivot or change mm-hmm. in the world or my yeah. business. I think we I'm need fine. a curveball. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. I feel good. We, We'll I go down like, that road. Holy yeah. cow. I mean, so much, so much has changed, but tell us, you know, obviously I include listeners in about, you know, all the amazing work you've done and the journey that you're on, but I'd love to hear from you. Tell us, let's jump right into improve it and where this vision came from and the people that you serve and the whole why behind it and everything. Oh my gosh. How much time do we have? No, I will boil it down. So long story short, 
grew up performing, singing, acting, dancing, wanted to become Oprah Winfrey, moved to Chicago because that's where Oprah lives. This was early 2000s. How do we become Oprah? There was no roadmap. There were very little digital courses at this time. I mean, literally Facebook just came on the map. So I said, okay, I guess I need to start improv trading because that just seems like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I actually started booking hosting gigs. And so right. I would come back and forth in between these hosting gigs to improv. And every time I would walk in the door to a class at Second City or IO or wherever I was, I would come alive. I felt at home and I felt like the barriers that I would put up around myself would come down. And so this mm-hmm. training, I started really getting into improv led me into my late 20s where I was, I'm aging myself, where I no, was- Don't forget who you're talking <laughs> okay. to. <laughs> okay, okay. But I was I was performing at night right. and then I started working at a corporate market or, well, I was in marketing, but then the more I started doing things, I was in a um, recruiting firm doing business right. development. Everything I was doing on stage in my classes started spilling over into my day-to-day. I became a better listener. I became- more empathetic. I was thinking more quickly on my feet. I was literally more present with the people that I was serving in my day to day. And so lucky for us at the time, I had an amazing leader who I told, I said, I have this idea for a company or just a workshop that I'd like to pitch to one of our clients. And our client happened to be United Airlines that I wanted to pitch to. She said, yes. And I piloted at pun intended my very first (laughs) workshop to United They liked it. They gave me feedback. I came back and did it again. And then I realized that I wanted to improve it to be bigger than me. So I started hiring a team. And then we launched in 2014. Now have a team of 22 facilitators between New York, Chicago, LA, Charlotte, North Carolina, and then a lean, mean team of five now, internally. Uh, we got to push pause for a second because Zero is the best. Like we see each other for the first time when we jump on the recording here. Like, yeah, now that's changed. But, you know, I don't live in Chicago anymore. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. And we've got folks in NYC. We got folks in LA. We got, fo- I mean, a lot has changed. I love it. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, so much change. Some may call it change fatigue, but I'm going to keep going. No, it's, it is, it's been awesome, but it yeah. is not. I'll say this in 2018, I'd probably right around when we met, I was a part of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program. And that program is an amazing program. If you're a business owner, I highly recommend it. Did it in Chicago. Long story short, you walk away with a five-year growth plan for your business. Our five-year growth plan included expanding markets and hiring people specifically in these markets and bringing our work to these markets. All of this ed was in person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then comes 2019. I had a baby. Mm-hmm. So maternity leave happened. Just a life, few life, life things. Life is good. Yeah. Life is good. Uh-huh. 2020. Uh, and uh, 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 yeah. things hurt. The 85 page growth plan was ripped to shreds. And now we're on this virtual path and I've moved. You're right. We were able to move because now everything, most of what we're doing right now is virtual. And it's just been a really crazy journey and not one that I thought we would be on, but it's the path that I think that is leading me to impact more people and help more people globally. Like we said earlier, I mean, it's crazy. We're globally now. So We're working globally. Now, will you do, first of all, do you still have the cool space in Chicago that you had? You're so nice. Well, so you came to us at Catalyst Ranch. Yes. 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 So we are still friends with them. We still utilize. So that space was actually our meeting space where we would do public events. Our office was in a co-working space in River North. That's right. We had the best ankle view 
of Chicago. Uh, it was in a, the lower level, not to be confused with the basement. Yeah. And we were scrappy in our office space because we what we did was mostly in offices at, at client events or businesses, corporations. And so uh, Catalyst Ranch was a beautiful partner for us, still yeah. is, but they're coming back too. They're starting to see more meetings come back. So will you do in-person eventually, and you mentioned you're still mostly virtual, but we do stuff in New York City. We do stuff in LA. We do stuff in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. want, I want an event on the beach is what I want. Yes. Well, Let's we go. were just in Arkansas two weeks okay. ago. We've got some stuff coming up in Florida. We've got some stuff in California. I mean, before the pandemic, we were traveling too. But what has been really cool is using platforms like this, like Zoom, mm-hmm. to host workshops. We're working with people all over the world. I mean, we've got people in India. We've got people in Singapore. We've got people in the UK. I mean, it has been really wonderful to see the reach that we've been able to find during this crazy time that I never, ever would have expected. And I'll tell you this, Ed, if you would have asked me in the beginning of 2020, hey, can you put what your offerings are, which you know are in-person, highly interactive, engaging right. offerings online? I would have said, no, that is not an improviser mindset. And I will literally say it's not going to work when you're forced to do it and when the world is also looking to a virtual space to professionally develop their teams and themselves, you figure it out. Well, it's interesting because the whole improv is yes and, right? That's it. If that question was posed to you. But I got to give a shout out to your LinkedIn profile because I, I, and we're going to talk about some stuff you put in here, but business improv, edutainer, fail fluencer, and professional zombie. I love it. Talk about making a positive out of a negative. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hashtag failfluencers. So yes. let's let's talk about the people you serve. Because I, you know, I went to an event and uh, what was the event title that I that I went to? A little workshop. It was well, it was a quarterly workshop. So okay. I can't remember the exact one you saw, but we have 10 different power skill training workshops. So it was a public one, which we always do every quarter. And you rocked it, Ed. You nailed it. No, you're just saying that because you don't want me to feel too bad about my performance no. with the chicken. No. No, you nailed it. I have pictures. I have to find them. I got to get. Some I actually saw one today. Hat. I actually saw on my oh, website. Not, no, not the chicken hat. I just saw one. Uh, my better angle is my backside when we were all holding hands and bowing. Oh, it was but, on the site. Yeah. But it's there. just an incredible, incredible, I mean, incredible work that, that you do and the folks that you do it with. And we're going to circle back. So I want to talk about the Goldman Sachs 85 page business plan. We'll get back to that. But can you tell our audience of like who you work with, what it is you, you do with the improv and what power skills that it helped? And I love power skills and explain power skills. I don't want to steal your thunder on that. Oh, well, you can steal. Take it away. Take it away. Give the lightning with the thunder. Perfect. No. So it is Improve It is a company. It is our, the company I founded that uses improvisational training to train on power skills. Okay. And power skills are the word choice that we use instead of soft skills. When you Amen. say soft, right? And it just right. feels like right. it's you're a softball. Like you're, it is nothing that is important. It shouldn't stick. Whereas soft skills land people jobs. They help them grow their careers. They help them grow their professional and personal lives. Right. And they're the skills that we need to do the work that we do. So they should be the skills that define us, right? So we don't want to give soft, power skills are the name of our game here. So we have been in business now for about seven years. And we work, we're a B2B company with anywhere from Fortune 500, Fortune 100 to small mom and pop shops. And what we do is we help them 
engage their people through laughter, learning, and play. It is experience. So we take the tools of the improv stage and put them into a workshop format. So we're training on a specific power skill. We, We train on 10 skills right now, anything from team building, effective communication, leadership, presentation skills, networking, thinking quickly on your feet, taking initiative, creative risks, career 101, sales 101. What am I missing? Vision setting, missing one. I don't know what it is, but I will come Are back you, to think, it. Did you only get nine? I thought you hit 10. Did I hit 10? I might've hit we're 10. Gonna, we're going to say you hit 10, but that's pretty impressive, 10. by the way. Are you okay? Thank you. But I will say like, as an actual human being, improv really did help me mm-hmm. in all of these areas. And it helped me to really understand that in order to connect with people, which is what we are wired to do, we are wired to connect as human beings. We have to fine tune the way that we communicate, the way that we listen specifically, the way that we react in the moment. So being completely present. And if we can really ground ourselves in these fundamentals, then we can change the course of the way we lead our teams. We can change the course of the way we lead our organizations. So it's, it's a transformational experience and I'm glad you've done it. I'm no, you know. Well, barely not even scratching the surface. And we'll, you know, yeah. there's so there's so much to do. But I love how you talk about connecting, right? And here's the thing. And I remember stepping in there and looking at all these people and looking at you. And you you don't ask the folks to do anything that you're not willing to do. Oh, yeah. So, and I remember everyone there seemed to have an epiphany about something and the walls came down, right? But I'm curious, when you first started doing improv and, and you were, you know, pursuing a hosting career, pursuing all these other things. But were you aware of the significance it would play in your ability to connect with people and build the relationships you did and to lead people and the impact it could have in the business world? Like going into it, did you have kind of an idea or were you pretty clear on what it could do? I didn't have an idea. This is funny. I was with my high school girlfriends a couple of weekends ago. I was voted class clown in our high school. You know, <laughs> No way. Okay. I don't see yeah. that at all. No. Yeah. Okay. No. Always been an entertainer. Must have had a boring school. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, always trying to make people laugh. I always said, I always joked too. I was, I knew my life's calling was to make people's day better or to bring laughter, levity, and positivity to their life. So I was like, what, who does that? Oh, a florist. I should maybe become a florist because they always brighten somebody's day when they give them flowers. Right. And then I realized I sucked at plants. I had an orchid named Zoe Day Plantel. And I was like, this, this isn't working out for anybody. She died. So anywho, wait, say that name again. How Zoe Day Plantel. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. That was before we got a dog. My husband and I decided we should get a plant. And so anyway, dare I ask what the dog's name is? Well, my last name is deal. His first name is big. Big. Okay. I was going to go with real, but big. Okay. Big. Yeah. Real's good too. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a second dog. Yeah. It's all, you know, punny, but my whole point in all of this is I didn't know. I did not know. And so I just wanted to actually try improv because everything I'd done up to that point, I went to Clemson. I danced my entire life. I danced at Clemson for the rally cats. Go Tigers. I was constantly performing. All of it had a script. And improv scared me, to be honest. It actually gave me that icky armpit sweat that we talk about in our <laughs> workshops. I would walk into a, a like a class, of, uh, an improv <laughs> class, and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so nervous right now. I feel uh, so disgusting in my skin. I hate it. So did you go sleeveless or did you go black shirt? I would or go sleeveless. Tr- I would yeah. go sleeveless. I would air them out, you know, as I'm doing, <laughs> as I'm chicken dancing. No, we didn't chicken dance. That's our thing. That's, no, that's our thing, thing, which we can yeah, talk about. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's... It, Truly, then a light bulb went off the more that I started exposing myself to improv and 
it became almost like a drug, like the euphoric high you feel when you're so present in the moment and you're creating something with other human beings that you can never recreate. It was this, it's so rewarding and you feel almost like it's therapy at the same Mm -hmm. time because you're transforming out of your own body. Right. And it it became this, this drug for me that I kept coming back to and back to. And of course, when you get laughs, you're like, yes. And when you have really Mm -hmm. bad nights, you're like, that sucked. What could I do better? Mm -hmm. So I just started to really see the beauty of it. And, and I didn't know it would be my life's calling. I really did not know. I always wanted to be Oprah. I did not know what I wanted to talk about, but it is (laughs) My favorite, I love improv and I love yeah. comedy and I love the people who do it. Yeah. It's like it, they breed a very special kind of human being because you got to have trust and support, all of those things. So that's my long-winded answer to your question. Which is a perfect answer, by the way. And now I don't want to move away from the joy of it, right? And the laughter because there's so much of that. But all of a sudden, here's this thing that they call COVID, right? Here's this BS pandemic, not BS, but you know what I'm saying? Like the stuff we we had to grow through. I mean, this yeah. ch- these challenges. But yet there's a way improv can be very real and very serious in terms of helping you grow through adversity, helping your decision-making, helping the conversations during tough times. You know, because I've got to imagine if you're doing a workshop for someone who's just been drilled organizationally by COVID, yeah, getting them to laugh is not your intention, right? Totally. Okay. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I just think it's really apropos for what we're, we're still living right now. Yes. Okay. So this is a really great question because I think a lot of people think we're going to come in teach you to bark like a dog, get you to stand up and embarrass yourself. It's absolutely the opposite. Improv, that's stand-up. Stand-up comedy is a one-person show. You're going for the cheap laughs. Improv is truth. It's reacting in a moment to the response of somebody else. It's listening and postponing judgment. It's making your scene partner look better, which is ultimately making your teammate look better. It is what you, as we know, yes, and is a huge rule. And it's all about listening postponing judgment, adding to the idea and creating something together. So the beginning of a workshop, even the one you went to, Ed, where you walked in the room, you were one individual. I want to ask you this. When you walked out and you didn't know anybody, right? You didn't come with a friend, no, right? I didn't know anybody right. at all. Yeah. Did you feel more connected after those two oh, hours? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And here's, here's the best part. There was one thing you asked us to, and I can't, it's been a minute. So like we have said, I can't remember what it was, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this. Like I, I, I thought I was a funny person. I'm not a very funny person. There's no way I'm doing this. And the lady next to me who I didn't know from Adam or Eve goes, you got this. It's okay. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't know me, but she actually talked me through the whole thing. And I, it's like, even though I didn't know her, I left like thankful for her and yeah. a little bit more trust for the whole process. Totally. Because that's what it is. You can't stand on stage with seven people and make something up for 30 minutes without having complete support. We always say we got your back. So you can't stand up there and not have each other's back because you're not going to have a scene if you don't support each other. That is why it's such a beautiful teaching tool, especially in business. It teaches teams to support each other, number one, to have each other's back and to really facilitate conversation in a way that allows everyone to feel heard, seen, and like they belong, which is what everyone is chasing in COVID. So to get back to your question, truly the underlying fundamental of everything we teach, it is teamwork, it is support. And then we're going to train you using that framework on a specific power scale. So you're going to feel that connection no matter what we're teaching you on, because we're going to get you to that safe space first and foremost. 
And we always do everything intentionally with a low risk activity to a higher risk activity to the highest risk activity at the end. And by the end of a session, you walk out, you're like, wow, I just did that. And you did it with a smile on your face. Right. And it's, it's like, we almost trick you because I will say this, the smiles lead to the vulnerable conversations. We do the games that make you laugh. Then we talk about it. And that's where the aha moment occurs. Let's talk about vulnerability. I mean, it's huge. Yeah, it's yeah. so big. And and the tool that improv is to get people to be more vulnerable. And you said improv is truth. And that just keeps ringing my head. And it's listening and postponing judgment. That's something that our society could use right now. But we won't go there right now. We're going to talk yeah. about vulnerability. What? Tell me about that. And how significant of a role your improv low risk to high risk exercises has played in helping people in that process? Ed, I love this question. And I'm going to say this. People wore masks to work before 2020. Hmm. And it's hmm. a hypo- it's wow. a hypothetical right. mask. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what if there is a silver lining in all of this, those masks have started to come off, especially being virtual. We see into people's homes, we see they have dogs, they have kids, they have plants that they care about. And vulnerability was this scary word in corporate America for a really long time to be a big leader, a CEO, whoever, and to be vulnerable, those two things didn't go hand in hand, where obviously we're seeing it with the great resignation. People want to feel, they want to know their leaders. And I always say this to, if I'm facilitating a workshop, think about a leader, a coach, a mentor, whoever in your life right now, who impacted your life. If you got that person in your head, think about them and then ask yourself, were they vulnerable? And did they care about me as a human being? And almost, I've never heard a person say that those two things didn't go hand in hand. Those leaders were not transactional. They were supportive. They cared about you. My old boss at my recruiting firm is the reason that Improve It exists because she, I didn't love that job. You know, people say you don't leave jobs, you leave leaders. I did not leave my leader. I left that job. I, the opposite was true for me. I loved my leader so much. And you more pursued a dream and you pursued yes. a, a passion. So it wasn't really like you were leaving. It was like you use that as a springboard. And, you know, she was put in that world right there to influence you to go do what it is you wanted to do. Oh my God. She's still my biggest cheerleader today, today. And, you know, I always told her when I left, she, she asked me to stay two months and I said, okay, <laughs> but I truly would have done anything for her because she was vulnerable. She was such an amazing and powerful leader who inspired and wanted the best. She put our needs ahead of hers. And mm-hmm. she also was real and honest about the things that she needed from us as employees, but also as people. So vulnerability as a leader in 2021, 2022, oh my God, if you are still leading with a transaction, I want you to think about the way that you're showing up because it is really an employee's market right now. And Mm -hmm. people are finding where they feel like they belong and also where they feel like they can impact the world. That is a, people really reevaluated in 2020 and 2021. You know, it's funny you say that. So I just spoke out out in California a couple of weeks ago uh, to a global company, uh, Europe, North America, and the European mindset, it is transactional, right? It's about dollars and they're not, they're not giving the dollars away. Well, they're bleeding people in the industry, not bleeding people, but pe- their people who are incredible performers and producers are being poached, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're coming like they're the best of the best. We're going to offer you more money. 
Yes. And so it was an absolute blast seeing the light bulb go on in their head when I, when I posed the question to them, what is it that you can do for them that is way more valuable than dollars and cents? And, you know, we know that people want to know that the work they do is important, that they're valued as people and they want to be coached, right? Yep. So you start, you start talking in terms of transformational, I think it would solve a lot of challenges right now, a lot of yeah. issues. Yeah, I do too. And it's, I feel like people are figuring out how to lead in this hybrid workforce. What I really saw out of a lot of leaders that we worked with at Improve It last year was just beautiful moments of hopping on a Zoom call and just yeah. saying, how are you? Yeah. And asking truly deeply caring because there were so many things that went down over the course of that year as a nation, as a world. And I felt like people really started to see beyond the conference rooms, beyond the things that we show up at work and we're so used to right. going and doing and kind of seeing a person through that lens. People really saw each other as human beings who have cares and wants and wishes yep. and desires. And it's it's been really interesting. I've, I've even myself as a leader leading my team have really started to care about what does that team member want long-term out of life right. and how can I put that into play for them here? So right. they want to stay here long-term. And how can I help you outside the proverbial walls of this office? Right. Yes. And now, so how did you during the pandemic with being virtual still find a way to get to that vulnerability piece where people obviously it was assisted by having to see people on Zoom and stuff like that. But in order to persist, right? And then we always talk about sacrifice business. What are you willing to give up to be successful? A lot of it has to do what we're willing to endure, not yeah. so much sacrifice, right? So how did you help that with improv and how did you do it virtually? Oh my God. So <laughs> it was and oh man. And it's Trial okay to and, say I don't know. I'm no, not real we sure. It. We, we did, did it. it. Yeah. We did it. We got there. Trial yeah. and error. But I'll tell you what, without we use Zoom. And so WebEx, I think, made a lot of updates to its platform last year. But we we started with Zoom. We yep. we live on Zoom and we use the breakout room. So a lot of what we do okay. in person is activities, right? So we're doing games and activities in small groups, partners. So with breakout rooms on Zoom, we're able to still do those activities, put people in a breakout room, have them engage, have them with a partner, with a small group. We'll use the main room if we don't. We only have up to 50 people in our virtual sessions now. But really what it does is it still creates that conversation. And I've had clients, long-term clients who have been in person with us for a long term. And they were like, I did not think this was going to work. And it does. And it really translates because it's that connection piece. Once you get people in that first activity moving and grooving, I mean, their light bulb starts to go off. Their movement is a big part of it. Having them actually move, physical movement on Zoom is huge. I mean, we're in and out of breakout rooms. We do an hour and a half session on Zoom nine times, nine times. That's and then we're awesome. using the chat box. Like yeah. everything we do is I'm asking a question. You're responding. If we've got a, a like 20 people or less, we'll have them come off mute. And it is, it has proven to really work. And it's because I think people are craving connection. People are wanting to see their coworkers in a different way. Virtually, this is a different way. It's super outside of the box. And right. Thankfully, it works. That is so cool. Had you done any virtual before? Nothing. So this is all like you're talking like a, a true zombie, right? Like you've got yes. the breakout rooms, you got the chat, you got this. I mean, you're speaking the language. Oh, I mean, it's big time. I had a client hire me last year. I called it Zumbi Productions just to facilitate their holiday party because I'm that good on Zoom. 
I mean, honestly, no, it is truly, I talk about a crash course in technology. I mean, I used to have our director of operations, like fix the printer in our office. I didn't even know how to change the toner. (laughs) And now I like, we had to figure out so much so quickly. Mm -hmm. It was nuts, Ed, but it did work, thankfully. And we're here. What happens, and it's there's a little if to it still, but when everyone comes back together, right, and you're going back to in-person, which you've done, but you're going back to this in-person, were the walls harder to come down face-to-face or are they harder to come down virtually? It's a great question. <sighs> and do the walls so, go back up when you're in-person? That's right, the next right. question. I have it's found, all psychological. Right. The ones that I've we've done recently, people are so happy to be in the same room together. Yeah. I mean- it's like a high school reunion, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like the people you really want to see, you know right. what I mean? Not the people yeah. you don't want to see. It is so much easier from, from what I have seen to get people to connect in the same room together right now, mm-hmm. because they are craving it. Virtually, what virtual does is it allows the people who in person, who have social anxiety or who aren't as extroverted or don't speak up as much in meetings, that chat function right there is a godsend. They love it. They show up. They are so in it because it's typing, right? You don't have to say anything. And then I have a younger brother. He's actually staying with us this week. We were talking about this last week. He is an introvert. He loves being virtual and he loves the way that he can show up and type in meetings. And for us too, having people in breakout rooms, it's, it's less anxiety than standing in front of people. So it works for everyone. And for me, I mean, in-person is just like something, even on virtual too, I just feel this like, I can't even describe it. It's like something takes over my body and it's like, it's not me talking, it's somebody else. And I just go and it is just, I'm in this, this wonderful world of people who want to make themselves better. And there's so much positive energy. And when we create that on Zoom too, I feel it, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing like that in-person connection. There's nothing like it. When we wrap things up here, um, we still have some time, thank goodness. We'll talk about where folks can find all the information. Okay. But I have to ask you, out of the power skills, did different ones show up on virtual than showed up in person? Where there was a focus more? Yeah. And for sure for us, Effective communication was always big, but in virtual, oh my gosh, it has been connecting, communicating, and working virtually is all about communication. And if you don't have effective communication, what do you have? That has been the biggest power skill that we have seen. But then we've had, you know, it's always about the challenge of the specific team. So what is their challenge? What objectives are they hoping to achieve? And then our power skills usually have an offering that we can match to that. And if not, we're really honest. We'll give them somebody from our toolkit of, of that we know, a resource we know that can help. But out of the 10, effective communication is huge. And we're starting to see a lot more people want to do vision setting towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And that's been really fun to watch and to witness too. It's really interesting because you've got teams with people all over the world right now, yeah. and it's going to continue to be that way. So what do you consider because your definition might be different than my definition, or it might be exactly the same, which I'm betting is closer to the second. But what is your definition of effective communication? I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, it is listening. Here's where I stand with it. it and this is the thesis statement we use in the workshop. Yes. What you say and what you don't say, it affects how others listen and respond. So the way that you show up with your tone, both verbally and non-verbally, 
your nonverbal body movements. So what you don't say the way, you know, you show up on a zoom with your arms crossed, your head down, or like, you know, you're drooling on your keyboard. That's that sets a tone, right? And then you've got listening, which is all about, in my opinion, is the most important power skill. Listening is crucial, especially as a leader or especially as a person who is engaging with people and clients. I mean, if you're not listening, you can't accomplish anything and you're also not building a trusting relationship. And then just responding in a way that is meaningful and also does not negate the person who gave information before you is literally the key to great leadership, in my opinion, right. is postponing judgment and encouraging new ideas. And that's yes and. That is awesome right there. I mean, it's a complete home run, but give us, and that's no pun on the athletics of business. I was just going to say. To you. Yes, but I am talking to you. Give us an exercise that you would do for great listening skills, like yeah. you know, listening with postponing judgment. Give us an example. You want to go with me, Ed? You want to do a little activity? This Come is on, totally, you got it. I will. I will. This is totally unscripted. It. All right. I've okay, been doing this right. with you. Let's go. You can do this. You can do this. Right. Okay. So this is called last word response. Don't forget. I have an editor for the podcast. Too. Okay. Okay. But listen, you <laughs> but don't need it. You don't I know, need it. I know. We're good. Let's go. All right. So we're going to talk about today's Thursday. We're going to talk about our upcoming weekend plans. Okay. And I'll go first. All right. Okay. And so whatever the last word of my, actually, let's have you go first. Cause I can show you how it's done. The last word of your sentence is going to be the first word of my sentence, okay? So what are you doing this weekend, Ed? A lot of basketball. Basketball is not my sport. I actually played it in middle school, and I went to the wrong hoop on the basketball court. Court. You know, speaking of court, it's funny. Driving home from Omaha yesterday, really comfortable in my new truck, and all of a sudden, next thing I know, I had dancing lights behind me. Me, too. That happened to me. A few weeks ago, and I was not happy, and I got a ticket. Ticket? Who gets a ticket? I got a warning. Warning would have been great. <laughs> there you go. You did it. So uh, that's, that's it. That's that was awesome. It. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you, but you pause. You pause because you try to process it. Yes. And then what that activity does is it allows you to, number one, you can't think ahead. So you have mm-hmm. to be present. You have to listen to every word, which I always ask this question too, if, if my arm is a sentence and the listeners at home cannot see this, but if the tip of my finger Mm -hmm. is the beginning of a sentence and my elbow is the end of a sentence, at what point in a typical sentence do most people stop listening? Hmm. What would you say? Halfway between. Halfway between. Yeah, that's good. I've heard cuticle. So this feels right, (laughs) right? So so this- Thanks for being specific. Are they manicured cuticles or- They're manicured. Yes. I mean, this is like- I like the color. I do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. But this is literally, if the middle of the sentence is where we stop listening, we miss the end and we well, miss so and much it's information. it's so funny you say that because I was just going to say to you, what this exercise taught me was I am still bad, sometimes poor at listening to, instead of listening to understand, listening to waiting for my turn to talk, right? Yeah. So I was trying to anticipate the way you were going to end the sentence instead of just waiting for the last word to then figure out what I was going to say. And I probably shut it down a little to, that I know halfway through your sentence. No, you nailed it. You did it. Well, I, if, you, if you're thinking those things, you you actually used my last word every time to start your sentence. That is the key to great listening is listening to understand, not to respond. And Which then, sometimes that would be good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then it's it's really just this idea of making sure when we are in that moment, when we are present, that's when the magic happens is when we're listening and when we're responding in a way that is 
non-judgmental, and also allows other people to feel heard. I, I love that. When we are present, that's when the magic happens. That's mm-hmm. it sounds so simple. It's not that easy. Yeah. And yeah, I've got to ask you a question because you know, before we jumped on a couple of days ago, I was reading some stuff on you. And you said something that I find so important in my world. And, and this podcast has given me the opportunity to do that. And I consider you one of these people like who you surround yourself with, like who you invite into your orbit or who you're fortunate. Who are some of the people in your circle who you've surrounded yourself? Like, what are their characteristics? What are their traits? What have they given to you? How does that show up? Because you are just an, an incredible leader and you're such, oh, I mean, you are, and you, you radiate so much positive energy and you make me laugh every now and then. Oh my God, Ed, stop, keep going. See, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to learn. To we'll be out of time if I keep going. I know, yes, I, know. I, I receive this. Thank you. This is my new way to receive a compliment. I okay. receive this. I love that you found that because truly I'm such a big believer in energy and the energy that we put out is the energy we'll receive back. And I have been very, very blessed unintentionally when I was younger. I just did a girl's trip, same girl's trip I was mentioning with my high school best friends. And oh my God, I guess I had this notion when I was young, when I was 13, because they're the most supportive, they're all smart, brilliant, kind, loving people who all they want is for each one of us to succeed. And our success is the collective success. So, so cool. So cool. And I have this really, you know, I've got like a type five. I've got so many great friends that I feel like I get so much from, but it's like the people who I call with a problem are the people that I will support and will pull them out of a ditch and they will come get me whenever they need. They, I will go help them no matter what. And I, Saw that last year. We talked before the show started going. My mom had a stroke and I just never in in the midst of everything happening with our business, I felt Mm -hmm. the most support from the people that we surround ourselves with. And my Mm -hmm. husband is legit, like my best friend in the whole world. He is the best. So his, he makes me want to be better every day. And that's the person I see the most. And he's also, you know, he's my husband. He's also the one who sees me at my worst, but he is the one who wants to see the success of, of improve it. And he helped me so much at the beginning, just get it off the ground. So I'm grateful for the people in my life. I'm very cognizant too, of who we let in that circle too. And sometimes you got to get people out. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they're there for a season, not a reason, you know? Love that. Love that. Say that again. Say that again. Sometimes they're there for a season, not a reason. And that's, that's that's okay. Yeah, it, it is okay. Well, as we start to wrap this up, before my last question, where can folks find out everything about you, about Improve It, anything you want? And we'll take everything you say. We'll put it on the show notes. Obviously, I already have the links that you asked us to share, which we will. But go ahead. You're the best. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Ed. You're the you're so fun. I had a, my shakes heart from laughing. But you can find us at learntoimproveit.com. And then I'm Aaron Deal on LinkedIn at Improve It, the only one. Keeping it real deal is my Instagram handle, and that's keeping with no G K I P P I N. Okay, uh-huh. keeping it real like deal. It. Yep. And then um, you can listen to our podcast, the Improve It podcast. Love your podcast. We even Thank get a chance you. to talk, but we have to have you back on. This yes, is not enough time. we. Yeah. I know, and we we, we have more to discuss. I have so much more to ask you. Yes, and then also for your audience, we'd love to give you our hybrid hype handout. So it's all about how to engage your yes. team in this hybrid. Do world. I have the link for that? I'll put yeah, that up. There. I'll make I sure I get that okay. to you. But it's a free download and it's super fun and it gives you some really tangible icebreakers, really cool. tangible things to do to lead and facilitate your team through what we're going through. I love it. I love it. Now, what other question would I ask you or what other thing would I ask you about? But the chicken hat. <laughs> <laughs> I 
never in a million, in a million years. Yeah, never in a million years <laughs> that I think I would celebrate my 48th birthday because that's when I was oh. with you. When I celebrate my 48th birthday with strangers, right? With the chicken oh. in my head. That's the coolest story. I, re- I remember you telling me it was your birthday. So the chicken is our Improve It mascot. And literally it started when I was building the very first workshop. I was like, how do I get people engaged? So mm-hmm. I had this random chicken hat I bought at some little boutique. And I said, we're going to use this chicken. And every time you hear the word improv, we're going to pass the chicken to the right. And whoever ends up with it at the end is the improv chicken champion. Well, one of my improvisers, Andrew, he's still mad at himself to this day, said, let's heighten that. Let's add the chicken dance to it. So literally, (laughs) we have been doing this for seven years. And Andrew is still one of my lead facilitators. He's like, I hate every time I hear the word improv, I chicken dance. So and now on Zoom, we've actually just sort of making it like your own like happy dance. You know, it's like you do a chicken, but it's you don't we don't do the full wedding chicken dance. Fun fact for you, yes, fun we fact. have now convinced over 26,000 professionals to chicken dance. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I never chicken danced at weddings before until I went through your workshop. Yeah. Now I love chicken dancing. You nailed it. And it was your birthday. And it, ah. was, it is, it, it sounds insane to like to the person listening to this. Yeah. You're probably like, this sounds insane, but it's so fun. And it breaks down the barriers of yeah. just that wall that we put up every time. Right before we get started, we started off like that. And, and it just, it by the end, whoever has the chicken hat so happy and they they feel all the love at the end uh, of the workshop. Yeah. Well, you know, I read something today this morning. I sent it to a bunch of friends and some clients. It's it's legacy is not something you leave for people. It's something you leave in people. Oh. And uh, the legacy you folks are building is pretty amazing because you do. I mean, I, I don't know if it's, you know, if you're aware of how many skills, power skills, that's, how that's it. It's power skills you help these people with. And I got to think that's some of the greatest joy you find. And when you have the repeat customers, you hear the stories, people reconnect with you. Tell us just about that as we wrap this up. Yeah. Oh man. That's so cool. I, it is, I could literally cry because some of the stories we've heard recently are just, people are craving this connection. And I, you know, I've witnessed it. I'll just give leave with this. One of my girls on my team, we actually got to work with the Obama Foundation. This is not political. This is just a very right. a former president. And she ended up being able to participate in it. And through it, I saw her find her confidence. It was a training day, the first ever training day for the Obama Foundation. And I was actually a facilitator at it and did a keynote with Christy, our director of talent. We got to meet him, but little did Jenna know that she was going to get picked from this audience of 250 people to present an idea to the audience. But that audience was Barack Obama. And so I got to watch this introverted young, she was fresh out of college. She's now our director of client service, present to a former president with power, with confidence, with just the most amazing delivery I've ever seen her deliver. And I was like Amy Poehler and Mean Girls with my camera, like filming the whole thing. (laughs) Like, I'm a cool mom. I'm a cool mom. But I was literally just in tears watching her transform. And that was five years ago. And Jenna is the most just amazing professional woman I've ever, I have had the pleasure of watching her grow in her career and hopefully she'll be with me forever. I don't know what I would do without her, but she is improve it. And the people we've been able to transform using the the way that we we train people is, is, it's just a, it's a blessing to be able to witness and to facilitate it. So I'm grateful. Transformational. That's for sure. That's it. It's awesome. That's it. Hey, we, we've got to have you back soon because we're, we're on it. You got to scoot. And I absolutely love everything you do. This has been a blast and we will connect soon. But thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you, Ed, for having me. You're the best. 
And I was going to get a chicken hat and have it on. You know, I should have put the turkey hat on my head. I should have, but I didn't. Hold on. Oh, Let no. Me, hold, oh, I, hold here on. she goes. Hold on. Here she goes. There it is. There it is. This has got to be on LinkedIn right here. Don't worry. I got a chicken hat bin in here, Ed. Okay. So yeah. there's a bin of chicken hat. This is going on LinkedIn right here. This Thank is perfect. You. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Aaron. You Thank are you. the best. Appreciate You're the you. best. Bye, Ed. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there. Think. Act and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness. 